The COVID-19 crisis bites into the arts sector deeply and into the entire economy, in fact. But there's little point in strategy as conditions change daily. We'll speak with galleries across the country about their plans moving forward and how are teaching institutions rising to the challenge. Professor Jane Griffiths with Monash University's Faculty of the Arts tells us about online teaching and the future of the arts after COVID-19. I'm Tim Stackpool and this is Inside the Gallery. Thanks for downloading the podcast once again as we present the podcast during a serious time regarding the COVID-19 virus outbreak worldwide. The whole situation, it has moved very quickly with travel plans, exhibition plans, festivals, opening nights and other events well into the future thrown into total disarray. It's heartbreaking, as we all know, and we're all affected socially and economically. We've even been kicked out of the podcast studio, but as all podcasters know, it's not too challenging to record at a makeshift facility, and in this case, it's the backyard studio. So please forgive me if the Fox Terriers herald the arrival of groceries at the front door. Worse still, there's no podcast prize wheel, as it's back at the studio – Pixel Perfect Pro Lab do sponsor the prize wheel and their support enables the transcription of our interviews for the hearing impaired. Pixel Perfect themselves supply photographic services to the arts sector with a special emphasis on faithful colour reproduction of works. But even with most of us self-isolating, voluntarily or not, Pixel Perfect Pro Lab can still take your orders online and if you mention this podcast when ordering, They'll reduce the cost of your first print job by 20%, so paying for the GST and then some. Any saving at this time is a good saving, and Pixel Perfect Pro Lab is keeping customers updated on their Facebook page, so please do take a look, and I'll share their updates regularly on Inside the Gallery's Facebook page as well. And you can visit their website too at www.pixelperfect.com.au. So, my focus in trying to grasp this moving beast with regard to the podcast this month was, in a way, keeping the content relevant and timely, but because the situation changes rapidly, anything recorded in this podcast can quickly become out of date. And I thought a lot about focusing on mental health issues of artists as well, and art lovers being isolated, feeling alone, feeling disconnected. And not so long ago, we talked about the anxiety over the federal arts portfolio being dropped in name, And now COVID-19 and the fear of not knowing how it might manifest itself with us individually, then the exhibitions and launches closing down and finally the impact of lost income. It's certainly a torrid storm, but we are all in this together. With regard to mental health, I really recommend checking online with many art-focused websites. The topic is already very well covered and you can also find out about many cancelled exhibitions that have been able to move online. That's something, I guess, at least. There is also another Facebook community for artists and performers affected at this time called Australian Arts Amidst COVID-19. And the link and some of their posts you can also find on Inside the Gallery's Facebook timeline. However, in this episode, we'll hear from three gallery operators across New South Wales, Queensland and Victoria, all sharing their approach to the situation. First, let's catch up with Theo Montalvanos at the Queenscliff Gallery and Workshop in Victoria The gallery is situated in a former church constructed from sandstone in the late 1800s. It's beautiful, actually, and Theo joins us on the podcast right now. Thanks so much for your time. Pleasure. Now, in terms of what you guys have to do, I mean, we don't know what the future holds, given that the situation is changing daily. How do you strategize during this time? Um, 
how do we strategize? We, um, to make a strategy, you need to know where you're going. And right now, as you correctly said, we mm. don't know where we're going. We don't know where we personally as a business, um, as a family are going, where all our um, contemporaries are going. With that said, uh, we do know that we need a strategy for the duration of this ever-changing time and period. So um, the focus is definitely on survival and the task is how do we transform our operations? Uh, we pause yeah. regularly. We've been discussing this constantly and we even ask ourselves, is this possible? Now, having said that, we are fortunate to have uh, excellent cyber connectivity tools um, for mm. non-physical communication. So the artist's work will still reach our audience or an audience, uh, but as we know, looking at something on the screen, particularly beautiful works, whether they're works on paper, etchings, paintings, uh, we all see these images on our glossy tablets and phones, and they really don't um, do it justice. So we are missing that. We are missing that, but we're doing everything we can. And I believe uh, being unable to view the work is one obstacle, but um, a greater obstacle is, of course, that a lot of the public and our clients um, have got no clarity on their financial situation at the time. Yeah. And I think that's that's really, really difficult. Now, did I understand correctly that you have a show opening and you're still hanging that show? Absolutely. We um, That's uh, key for us. We've been talking to our clients and our neighbours and friends and we've just pulled down the current show. I'm sitting in a gallery with blank walls. However, we will hang our new exhibition um, showing Rick Amor, Philip Davy, and David Moore. And it is going to look magnificent. It's going to look wonderful. We need to be in the space and feel that we're still doing what we do for our artists, for ourselves, and of course, for the, um, the wider community. And we will be projecting videos and photographs and using every online method to make sure the exhibition is seen. Mm. And how are the artists handling this that you've been in contact with? The artists, uh, look, they're, they're quite distraught and, and they're worried. However, the ones that we are showing and the ones that we do show um, are quite uh, appreciative of what we're doing. None of the artists have pulled the work or said, don't hang the exhibition, even though they know that we're not going to get physical visitation to the space. They are more than pleased that we are going you know, the whole way and um, business as usual within our walls. And they're still potentially excited for sales. And we do have clients that we've spoken to about the upcoming exhibitions, and they too are very excited to view the work, even if it is via video feed and, and virtually rather than physically. And in terms of, I mean, you do have an online presence anyway, but yes. in terms of how you're ramping that up, does yeah. that include things like you were talking about putting more video online, perhaps doing more live streaming? Absolutely. We very recently, only a few days ago, morphed our website to make it more dynamic, um, given that this is now our main stage. Um, we'll be publishing some studio, some artist studios. So we've gone out about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, funnily enough, before all this COVID-19 seriousness started, and we yeah. filmed some of our artists in their studios. And I think it's important for the public to get a bit of an insight as to how different artists work. But yes, as you said, Tim, um, lots of videos. I'll be walking around talking about the artwork, and we'll also be doing a bit of work ourselves. Sula, my partner and, and business co-director, is an artist, and she produces beautiful paintings, etchings, and I edition for her. So we'll be busy upstairs getting inky and producing work during this lockdown time. Yeah. So just let me understand, Theo, you also have a workshop there, is that correct, a studio? We that's right. We do have a workshop. Um, the workshop is kind of, or was, the two-tiered. Um, it was an access studio for printmakers and also a, a print workshop and painting workshop. Now, 
with the restrictions, the workshop is on pause. However, we still can produce work as in Sula and myself for us. And we can also, um, I'm still auditioning for, for clients. So the way it works is a client or an artist might send me his or her copper plate, whether it be from Tassie or interstate or Melbourne, and I would be auditioning. So we are still actively working as best we can and as much as we can. But in terms of setting yourself up as a business, I mean, you would have seen this as a as another opportunity, as, a, as an income stream, which was separate to the gallery and exhibiting. And that's been taken away from you as well. I mean, you try and, I guess, mitigate your risk by opening up a, a studio and a workshop as well as an exhibition space. It becomes even more, I guess, disheartening for you that even that income stream has been pulled from you. It has. Um, I mean, the, the workshop is about uh, a third of our footprint, you know, in floor space. And that is now pretty much, as you said, a, an empty space. There's only so much work we can do up there. Um, mm. it's, uh, I, I know I might be sounding quite positive and um, moving forward in, with best intentions, but there is the reality of fear uh, yeah. for our business. We started this yeah. business uh, nearly five years ago now. Uh, we moved from Melbourne to the lovely uh, Bellarine down here in Queenscliff. And I guess being an art gallery and a workshop, it took about three and a half to four years to really get on our feet and gain the trust and the momentum. Now that has been put down a few gears and there is that worry about, you know, when we come out on the other end, whether it be three months or six months, I'm not sure any one of us know, where will we be? Will we, will we have gone backwards two or three years or will the momentum pick up again? But um, definitely uh, trying times. Or will you exist at all? Yeah, well, we, we are, again, I'm not being... Um, overly optimistic, but I'm trying to be a realist. I think we will exist. I hope we will exist. The, the support by the visitors and the clients has been quite overwhelming. Um, as I mentioned earlier, they're keen to see work. They're keen to, to buy. I was speaking to someone this morning saying, I've got a spot on my wall. I want something from the next exhibition. Now, that is very positive. We hope that on the other end, we're still moving and selling work and supporting our artists. One other thing that we implemented when the first steps of this COVID-19 period started is we posted publicly that our artists will be paid immediately. And if I can just reflect on that, what usually happens, we hang an exhibition, we sell um, the work during that month. Because of administration, etc., we do monthly payroll for our, all our um, artists. So about three or four weeks later, they will get paid. What we're saying now is if a customer or a client comes in and buys a picture for X amount of dollars, within 24 hours, our artists will get their payment. So we're trying to do everything possible to keep the morale up and keep our artists producing and also have our clients support us and the artists. And we felt that was one way that we could help. So that's what you really need from the artists as well is to keep producing, don't languish. Oh, of course. Use this opportunity as, as an inspiration in a way, if I could call it that, to continue turning out work. Yes, we've said to all of our artists, keep working. Um, creativity has always been a guiding light for, for Sula and, and for myself in, in a way. And I'm sure that we'll see some uh, very spectacular work, not, not necessarily reflecting the period that we're living in. I think our artists are simply uh, producing work that they love to do, but they've all got the time now to produce more work. And we're encouraging that uh, more and more. And as I said, we've got our exhibitions locked in until at least December this year. And we're still looking forward to hanging every month and presenting, uh, whether it be online or otherwise.
Yeah, so you need artists to keep producing art and you need art lovers and buyers to, instead of actually going out to galleries, to actually hit online websites such as yours and, and keep buying and appreciating art. They do need to keep buying. And we, we had one neighbour say that he's, he would rather panic buy art than panic buy pasta and, and toilet paper. <laughs> he's, he's got enough pasta in the cupboards. But uh, his, his exact words, I won't mention names, was if I'm going to be stuck at home with this, sorry, you know, wretched virus, you know, looming yeah. outside, at least, at least I can look at some nice pictures on my walls. As we mentioned, I think the arts not appreciated to what they offer the public. Um, we know that um, they help people with mental health issues and mm-hmm. um, in times of, of stress, and there'll be a lot of that happening now. There'll be um, all sorts of other horrible um, situations at home because there's a lot of stress and a lot of anger and a lot of fear. Well, Theo, look, I wish you all the very best and thanks so much for taking the time out to have a chat with us. I know you're rearranging everything uh, so quickly where you are, as are all galleries and all artists and everyone involved in the industry. And in fact, not just this industry, but right across society, it's all happening. And I really appreciate your time on the podcast. Fantastic. Thank you, Tim, so much. I really appreciate the time. That's Theo Montalvanos from the Queenscliff Gallery and Workshop in Victoria. And if you want to see what they're undertaking online, visit www.qgw.com.au. That's www.qgw.com.au. Okay, now let's head to Audrey Fine Art Gallery in Sydney, the gallery operated by Louise Riley, along with resident art consultant Robert Lording, They're working to maintain contact with artists and buyers online as much as they can. I got the chance to speak with both of them over the phone and I began by first asking Louise how they're approaching online exposure and how things are going in general. It's difficult. I think what we have to do is we really have to rely on our social media. So what what I've been doing and what I'm getting my staff to do is to do uh, Instagram updates on a daily basis. So people Mm. were fresh in people's mind. People are seeing us all the time, uh, interacting with the artists and posting on Facebook, LinkedIn. LinkedIn's been really good for me, Tim. I've been making sure that I'm on there every day and connecting to everybody that I can possibly reach out to. So that's helping as well. The website, of course, I mean, that's, that's a huge help and keeping my database updated, keeping the artists updated and then keeping our customer base and client base updated. So that's something you look at and hopefully just, you know, when you're looking at art, you can tend to get lost in it. So hopefully it's a, a distraction for some people. And in terms of the type of response you're getting from all that social media work that you're doing, I mean, people are very I mean, anxious at the moment. I don't know that you'd probably expect too much positive response at this point, but are you finding that there is at least some type of reaction? What I'm noticing is that my social interaction, so my pings are, are going up. So people are looking, mm. people are observing, they're spending more time on my website, they're spending time interacting on Facebook, but what they aren't doing is spending money. Yeah. Now, no time is a good time for something like this to happen. However, you launched your gallery towards the end of last year. Are you finding it particularly anxious for you at this point in the business? I am. I mean, I've had a few sleepless nights and I've been contemplating whether, you know, do I keep the doors open or do I, you know, do I shut down for a period of time? Mm. But I think with the government support and what they're doing in reference to commercial leasing and commercial buildings will be a help. I... I believe, like anything, I mean, we will get through this. Yeah. And so will the gallery. I mean, 
I can, you know, focus on other things and just I'm not going to close my door until I absolutely have to. And that will be a decision that I will be forced to, you know, to do. But right now it's just full steam ahead the best that we possibly can. But, Mm. yeah, it's difficult. Uh, And it's difficult for everybody. I mean, the foot traffic has gone from a very, very busy because we're street front in Harrow Street in Piermont, so there's lots of activity normally. And it's like a ghost town. You could shoot a cannon through here. Robert, if I might ask you, you have significant experience over many years in the arts. What are the sort of difficulties that you see artists may have at the moment? Have you heard them express any particular worries or concerns to you? I I have indeed. They seem to be contacting the gallery more often and they're concerned about sales. But our policy is as soon as we do have a sale, we notify the artist straight away. Um, They can't exhibit. Group shows are being closed down. Public viewings have been cancelled. There's no opening evenings anymore. So things have become quite um, difficult for artists. What sort of advice would you give generally to artists at these times? I mean, artists are fairly reclusive quite often. They're often very inward-looking. Well, that's exactly right. I'm suggesting that you you carry on. But uh, if you're going to go into self-isolation, then do so in 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 your own studio and work there. I think that's possibly the best best advice we could give artists at the moment. And I, I don't really believe that it's the artist's business to try and sell their work. That's really the domain of the galleries or, or their dealers. So I, I would just suggest buckle down, go into self-isolation and just work really hard, just keep going. Louise, in terms of that online marketing that you've been doing, and going ahead, you know, this is likely to have to escalate in terms of how you're touching your customers and your clients. Do you have any idea as to how you will ramp that up, how you'll amplify that opportunity that online gives you? What I'm very fortunate with is I have an international database. So with the Australian dollar at the moment, I'm taking advantage of that. I am sending emails globally. I'm sending updates on the Australian artists to everybody I know from Paris to, you know, to Canada to mm. say, guys, this is a perfect opportunity with the Australian dollar as, as it's seen at the moment. And these are people who are affluent, you know, they're, yes. they're in a position that they can. Yep. So that that's one angle that I'm, I'm pushing really hard. And it's, you know, I mean, it's complementing the Australian artists as well because I've got beautiful pieces in here. All I can do is, you know, just keep interacting with social media, really, mm. to, be, to be honest. Mm. And what do you think we'll see coming out of this, Robert? Do you think we'll see some rather unique art come out of this period? I would hope so and think so. I mean, this has affected the Biennale of Sydney yes. as well. It's yes. all closed down. I'm hoping there's going to be a resurgence of interest in art generally amongst the general public and that they will um, decide to support the artists and support the arts. As Louise was saying, we're going to support artists as best we can. Um, we're hoping that... Uh, when spring finally comes, that there'll be a resurgence of interest in the arts and that people will want to be supportive of, of arts generally. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think there's any sort of decline in the in the support or the interest in the arts. I think it's just a shame that we can't access it the, the way we'd want to. Well, that's right, yeah. Mm. Louise, just coming back to you, when it comes to keeping your operation running, if there was something out of the box, something outside of what we've discussed that perhaps the art world could do, art lovers, art buyers, artists, I mean, is it just all about hanging in there and and holding out for as long as you can? Because as you say, you know, we will come through this. This is not 
a crisis caused by poor banking practices or overlending or, or some any sort of uh, you know financial difficulty. This is all due to the fact that uh, we have we have a virus in the world which will eventually have a vaccine developed against it. We just have to get to that point so we can get back to life as we know it. But is there anything else right now that you would love? Any advice you'd like to give people in the art community from your perspective? Look, what I would suggest to people if they're at home, I mean, if they're they're homebound and start doing things that you haven't done for a long time, like actually have that big cleanup that you, you haven't done or you've been talking about doing. You know, is there a wall in your house that you've been thinking about wanting to purchase something? So what we can do with that, if they're restricted to their home, we can do, if they were, for example, to send me a picture of their wall, we can we can find art and we can mm. superimpose it onto the wall and send it to them. So they literally do not have to leave their lounge room. Mm, great so idea. Show me, show me your house. Show me what you would like to make different or change and, and let me do the work. And I'm not leaving the gallery and you're not leaving your home and, and I can help beautify it. So if you're sitting at home and you're not doing anything, you know, let's start playing around and let's be creative and do some interior design and and get some art on the wall. We can deliver. I mean, there's options that you can rent pieces. I mean, I don't even know if people understand that they can actually lay by. And then there's there's a thing called art money where people can mm. get interest-free. Mm. You know, there's many, many things that we can do. So if you do like art and if you're in a position where you're, you know, you're stuck at home, let me help you. Louise, it's tough times, no doubt about it. Really appreciate your time chatting on the podcast. And I'm looking forward to the time when we can finally get to catch up again in your gallery. Okay, yeah, I would love that. Pop in any time. That's Louise Riley there from Audrey Fine Art in Sydney, along with Robert Lording. And you can visit the gallery online at www.audreyfineart.com.au. Queensland is usually busy with holiday makers, especially on the Gold Coast, where at Mermaid Beach, you'll find the 19 Karen Contemporary Art Space, operated by Terry Liu, an art collector herself, and she joins us now on the podcast. Terry, thanks for your time. You're very welcome, Tim. Now, this situation, as I've said to a number of gallery owners in this podcast, is, is changing almost hourly. How are you coping and how are you able to strategize going forward, not knowing anything about what's going to happen in the future? Well, I'm probably in a similar boat to everybody else. However, a bit in a better position uh, financially to be able to ride the wave and wait for uh, things to improve. However, um, yes, it is It is hard. It is hard on everybody, especially on your uh, emotions, you know, to yeah. manage to manage the emotions and what's happening around the world. Mm. That's the thing that I find the toughest, not yeah. so much the financial burden. Yeah, I know you. Um, you own your own property. I know that, and and the gallery is yours. That's but in right. terms of where you are on the Gold Coast, Mermaid Beach, there, yeah. I mean, all of that has got so quiet. I mean, it's so vibrant, full of tourists. That indicates a downturn for the whole economy. Of course, it does everywhere, but particularly on the Gold Coast. But it means absolutely there's just less excitement and less uh, activity around where you are. Yeah, but you see, we're all in it together. So what's yeah. the difference? <laughs> I mean, there's not much of a difference from one business to another. Um, so mm. we'll just keep pushing. Mm. Um, yeah, there's nothing much we can do about it except for riding the wave and not against it, but with it. Art brings a lot of comfort to people as well. 
But in terms of your artists, and, and you have t- tremendous, and you carry tremendous contemporary art, and you have certainly uh, exhibition agreements with high-end hotels yeah. on the Gold Coast as well to show the work. How are the artists actually handling this that you've been able to contact and talk to? It varies. Oh. You know, some of them are freaking out. Mm. And some of them have taken the opportunity to create some wonderful creative work. I, I'm blown away by some of the art that some some of the artists are producing these days. Uh, it's really allowing them to slow down. And when you slow down, you think about what you do mm. when you're not under pressure as such. And they they just disappear into their own little world and they create some amazing things, yeah. which is, is not going to go to waste because the minute uh, we get on the other side of this, uh, they can have shows, they can sell their work, they can show their work. So it's it's never going to go to waste, whatever they yeah. do now. Yeah, and, and it, it's a different type of inspiration, and I've used that word before in this podcast, it's a different type of inspiration that artists feel i mean they're very many of them are very introverted and introspective people yeah, anyway anyway and, and right. self-isolate as a as a, the course of you know their existence that happens too but of course without the external stimulus the the creativity doesn't come so it is a completely different uh, feeling i think that those artists have what advice do you have in general for artists at this time don't rush and do anything stupid you know against your galleries be loyal to them persevere with them and support them because the minute you start selling your art privately, depriving your gallery of the potential income, when things get better, you may not find that representation any longer. Mm. So you need to support each other for sure. Mm. It's really, Mm. really important. So yes, don't panic and don't burn your bridges. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Your online presence is quite vibrant. Your website is highly engaging. Mm. Are, are you making any changes to that strategy given the current situation? Um, not a great deal. Um, mm. I have sent a newsletter to all our people on our database to let them know that, uh, you know, as a result of the changes, this is what's going to happen. And not much, but, you know, we just have to wait like everybody else, to see what happens, you know, yeah. if, if they find a cure or the restrictions are lifted. Uh, but I've just explained to them that, uh, you know, I understand that buying art is uh, probably the last thing on their mind at the moment. Mm. Uh, but for some people, you know, it does lift their spirit when they look at art. I know it works for me and I'm surrounded by art, not only in the gallery, but at home. So if people are still financially um, able to invest in art, uh, they'll do um, make a you know a huge difference to some of the artists that are really struggling yeah. by buy, buying their art and not wait until it hits rock bottom to get it to next to nothing because that's really cruel in my opinion. Are you seeing that artists are, are reducing their expectations yeah, in terms yeah. of turnover? Yeah. yeah, because they are desperate. I think sometimes there's probably a feeling as well in terms of art buyers that I've always wanted this piece. I'm feeling pretty down at the moment and I really do need to get a piece in order to lift my spirits. I mean, there's probably going to be some of that. It's really impulse buying, I guess, ultimately uh, by some people. And and hopefully, while it may not be prudent in terms of uh, financial decision, 
um, at least there is a sale taking place, and we'd have to be grateful for that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, nobody's uh, it, right now. Nobody is uh, buying for the sake of buying. Mm. So it's um, it's a case of do I really like it? Do I want it? Is it affordable? And mm. that's probably the difference in spending these days that people are not going to just go willy-nilly and buy art for the sake of buying unless it's something that they really, really like and they've had their eye on it and it's within reason and they've got the money. You know, there's still a lot of people that have got extra cash out there. Yeah. But they don't want to just spend it, you know, on just anything. Because we don't know what's coming up. That's the thing. It's, it's a great unknown. It's a mystery, unfortunately. Yeah, it's pretty scary times. Pretty scary. Now, Terry, you, as I said earlier, I mean, you're, you're, you're well placed in order to move ahead because of the fact that you don't have rental overheads and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But in terms of having any sort of income, I mean, do you have, do you have any other opportunity apart from selling art? Yes, I do. I, uh-huh. I, I work damn hard over the years to um, to secure my future. Right. And I invested in properties. Okay. And I've saved money. And that's what I kept telling my kids, don't spend your money, just save <laughs> the bloody thing for rainy days. <laughs> and they haven't done so. They haven't saved anything. And just the other day, I had to rescue my son from his mortgage. Oh, no. You know, it's, uh, yeah, because I, I'm worried. I don't want him to lose the, the roof over his, over his head. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I am fortunate that I've still got some money and also properties, rental properties that I can derive income from. That's why yes. I was able to survive all this time as well. I own my properties. I don't have any debts whatsoever. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, you're under pressure perhaps from your tenants who may have trouble meeting those rents. Yes, yes, that that could happen. And Mm. I'm keeping a very close eye on it. Mm. And if it does, well, I know that the government is coming to the rescue and will be helping. And I will be I will be able to help too. You know, if it takes if it takes a year free rent, so be it, you know. Yeah, uh, I'm prepared for that. So yeah. I'm not going to leave anybody in the street and I'm going to be um, helping them as well because yeah. we're all in it together. That's lovely to hear. Terry, look, yeah. thanks so much. I know it's a very stressful time for everyone that I'm talking to on the podcast and I really appreciate your your input and your candor today. All right. Thanks, team. <laughs> Cheers. Okay, bye-bye. All the best and see you on the other side. Terry Lou there from 19 Karen Contemporary Art Space at Mermaid Beach on Queensland's Gold Coast. And you can see that gallery online at 19 Karen, that's the number 19, 19karen.com.au. Finally, let's hear from Professor Jane Griffiths from the Faculty of Arts at Monash University. This situation is reaching across all sectors, which of course now presents challenges with teaching. But the arts as a whole will, of course, struggle. Professor, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Oh, please call me Jane. Okay, thank you, Jane. Very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, there's no industry or individual which remains unaffected at this time, but how do you think of the arts particularly affected? Well, it's it's pretty catastrophic. I think the major thing about the arts industry is that everybody who works in uh, the professions uh, is subject to 
massively um, transient workforces. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, there's, there's no continuity. There's ex- very, very little stability in employment. And to have that which already exists compounded by the fact that suddenly contracts are being cancelled left, right and centre, people are no longer able to perform in shows that they had counted on for their income. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's pretty catastrophic. Yeah. The only rider, the only thing that we could say is potentially um, of, of benefit to people in the arts community is that we're used to unstable conditions and erratic employment. But unfortunately, that's um, that's not much of a consolation in the current times. No, that's right, because pretty much our performers particularly, who you associated with, um, and even artists in general, would fall back on things like hospitality, on uh, mm. casual work in stores. Absolutely. It's a double whammy. Let, let me just talk about education for a moment. How is your learning and teaching at the university affected by this? It's been a bit of a roller coaster, I have to say. So uh, at Monash, we, we're not a conservatorium model, but mm. one of the things that has always been our point of difference is that we have consistently employed artists from the industry to come in and teach practical workshops with our students. Now, within a week, we had to put all of this very collaborative workshop delivery online. And uh, to be honest, for about two days, we did weigh up whether we should just cancel all of our units, because to me, collaboration is absolutely crucial to the craft. But the flip side is, of course, we have developed very creative, transferable skills. And Mm. so actually, We've developed entire new courses where through Zoom webinars, we're able to bring in these professional practitioners to workshop with our students in real time. Um, We can have 20 people all uh, focusing in on a Zoom seminar and doing Alexander Technique uh, physical and breathing exercises, again, in real time in their bedrooms. Mm, mm. But we're trying to create a sense of, um, I suppose, collaboration and uh, accessibility. So it's it's actually been fascinating for us as educators. I don't think we've cracked it yet. We've got a long way to go. But certainly this whole situation has made me much more responsive to the digital humanities in the way that I wasn't before. And I have to say we've had a few artists coming in um, who have usually been teaching uh, in the devised area with our students who are doing the most extraordinary work. You know, the, the stuff that they're creating online is is incredibly uh, creative, artistic, and is actually introducing an entire new paradigm for where performance could go. Yeah, absolutely. But I think across the whole of industry, we're finding ways to continue communicating that perhaps we would have thought were purely auxiliary in the past and now yeah. are a priority. Yeah, it's it's been um, obviously forced on us, but it really is um, necessity being the mother of some really interesting invention going yes, on. Yes, absolutely. Now, artists and performers, they are a certain breed. Sometimes I refer to them as introverted extroverts, but they actually express themselves through through performance or their art. It's spot on. It's spot on description. Yeah. Are they likely to suffer somewhat differently psychologically? I mean, I know you're not a psychologist, but, but what's your opinion there? No, but I'm an actor. It, it's going to be huge. Yeah. You know, certainly from my perspective, I was, when this all happened, I was filming a TV show in New Zealand and uh, I I missed I was supposed to go over to finish shooting the day before the lockdown happened. Mm. 
Um, now, I'm fine. I mean, I've got a family. I've got a, a, a full-time job at Monash as well. But I already feel a part of my soul shriveling that there's the possibility that not only um, will the filming be delayed for six months, but it might never be completed yes, because yes. The, the, the entire production might have lost all its funding by then. Now, that's just a tiny thing. Mm. But for my friends who had gigs at Malthouse or MTC or um, Belvoir lined up and also, really crucially, for my friends who had development time planned over the next few months, it, it's devastating because particularly for small companies, you can spend years applying for grants unsuccessfully. Then finally, you get that big break. Yeah. You get your grant from OSCO or from the city of Melbourne or wherever it might be, and everything's put on hold. Yeah. So I know personally, it's pretty devastating. I have three projects that I was working on, which now I don't know if they'll ever come off. But for my friends for whom acting is their primary income source, and also the primary source of emotional connection, mm. it's it's devastating. Mm. And we spoke a bit earlier in the podcast about Sydney Biennale and all the work that was put into that. Yes. And it's huge. It's a, it's a huge festival of art, really. And to be the curator on that as well is such a great honour. And to have all this work pretty much, well, moving to a digital domain, at least, but yes. um, part of the experience, of course, is moving through the spaces and enjoying that art. That's that's all completely gone, unfortunately. Absolutely. How, how do you think the crisis is best approached by the arts? I mean, we're really going to have to lean back on government to support us as individuals to get through this, I think, to a, a huge extent. Well, that's right. Um, the I think the hard thing about the messages that we're getting from the government is that they are so mixed. Yeah. And even on economic terms, the value of the arts is never recognised by the government. Scott Morrison talks about going to the football match, but there's no discussion about whether you're going to go to um, to Red Stitch or La Mama or MTC. I mean, the, the arts is constantly ignored, despite the fact that yeah. it provides billions in terms of of um, uh, economic growth to the... Oh, it, uh, it sells more tickets than sporting events across Australia. Uh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I, th- I think that the, the, the major issue is going to be that it's ignored, that it's uh, economic mm. and it's also social uh, contribution to the country is ignored in terms of bailouts. A so, terrible danger. Yeah. I mean, I, if practitioners manage to get through the labyrinthine um, quagmire that is Centrelink and get some funds just to keep them alive on a week-to-week basis, then that's all well and good. Mm. But the bigger thing is how the government is going to inject just sustainable resources so that these these companies, so that these festivals can actually survive in the future. And that's my, my huge concern, not on a day-to-day basis, but the future of, of the industry generally. We'll, we'll bounce back. I mean, the arts always bounces back to some degree, but it's already tough. So given that the circumstances are just going to get harder and harder, help needs to be provided in a way that's commensurate to what the arts actually contributes to society. And given that, arts and performance is driven by high emotion. It's all about connecting with the audience through performance or through exhibition. Coming through this, how do you think that demonstration will change? Will the arts change? Will we see deeper work? Will we see darker work? Do you know, it's funny. I was I was giving a lecture online um, last week about the the, about Greek tragedy mm. and how that existed in the context of, of Athens during a time of war and plague. Mm. And I was thinking that that for the Athenians, Sophocles wrote Oedipus, the king. 
in the time of, of plague, a play that starts off with plague, and what that actually means in terms of bringing together the political body to try to understand their situation through theatre and through the arts. We don't have, obviously, we don't have a context in which that's possible because there is no way that we can draw an entire community into an artistic event to make us reflect on our own situation. But I do think that the response of artists and creatives generally is going to be, it's, it's going to be searching. It's going to be looking for a way of uh, reflecting on and integrating these experiences of COVID-19 into our society in the future. And, and that is going to lead to some very fascinating work, mm. probably dark work, but also stuff that is is going to be reaching out in a way that perhaps it hasn't been before. Um, I mean, it's interesting that just thinking on the broader level of, of um, creative media, uh, the film, the, 19, uh, the 2011 film Contagion is now um, yes. trending again. Everybody's yes. watching Contagion. Yes. Um, and that in itself says something really interesting about our need to fit into a representative mode, you know, a mimetic mode to try to understand the reality in which we're living. Mm. So I think the arts is going to have a great role in our trying to come to terms with and understand what we're going through, because the issue is when that's actually going to be taking place because it might be many many months before we're able to see a live performance which can address these issues absolutely or visit an art gallery or see an exhibition that's right yeah and much of it we can see online as i say but that human connection makes such a difference and i think that's pretty much what we're all going to miss over the coming that's months right. yes yes all right jane thank you so much for your insights and um chatting with us on the podcast we really appreciate your time it's been lovely to talk to you thank you so much Professor Jane Griffiths there from the Faculty of Arts at Monash University. And that is the podcast for now. Don't forget to like and share our Facebook and Instagram pages to keep updated on all things that we love. And you can find the links to those at our website at www.insidethegallery.com.au where you can also subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And of course, transcripts of our interviews can be downloaded from there as well. And thanks to the folks at Pixel Perfect Pro Lab for their continued support at this time. I'm Tim Stackpole reminding you to keep strong, visit your favourite gallery online, wash your hands often and stop touching your face. Bye-bye for now.